Welcome to Food and Loathing, your weekly culinary report from the city that takes all the sights of Rome, Venice, Paris, and Egypt, wraps them up in sweltering summer heat, then adds video poker. I am speaking, of course, about the one, the only, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm your host, Al Mancini. We are joined once again by the great Rick Moonen in the co-host chair. Hell yeah. And manning the soundboard, as always, is the Mac Daddy of the microphones, the one, the only Mr. Rich Johnson. I'm a professional. Oh, that was very good. I yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if you are curious about the real Europe, rather than those um, reproductions of the LV, on the LVB, I should say, that I alluded to earlier, James Trees will be joining us later in this episode for a report on his recent trip to France. However, Rick Moonen. Phew. I am so excited <laughs> to be back here at the fabulous Moonin Ranch. Yep. Um, and you are back. Yes, I am. From a tour. I mean, I'm trying to figure this out. I, if I remember it, last I heard, you were cruising around Croatia mm-hmm. like that onion smuggler from Game of Thrones, <laughs> right? Or did I dream that conversation? <laughs> no, no, no. That's, a, that's pretty accurate because um, I was 10 days away. Uh, with my wife. Uh, she had a, an exchange student years ago who was from Slovakia, and that's where Slovaks go for their vacation. So this is where he decided to get married. So I'm on a, I'm on a catamaran, sleep on, Whoa. with my wife's ex-husband, Steve, who's a good guy. We had yeah. a great time. Anyway, it is the most spectacular. The, the, uh, the, this the, is the Adriatic? The, the Adriatic yeah. is unbelievably gorgeous. Think uh, between Italy and, and across the way, so going east is, uh, is Croatia. So we went into Split, and we... we uh, we just floated on down to Dubrovnik, where uh, the King's Landing is. I mean, that's King's Landing. <laughs> there you know all the scenes, you know. And um, found out that Mike Gergich is from there, from Gergich Hills in the Napa Valley. started in uh, in Dubrovnik. It was like a lot of history, a lot of great stuff. Food was ridiculous. You know, fresh octopus, bream, sea bream all the time. Oh. Adriatic tuna, which is markedly different than what we normally get. It's that that real delicious, delicious, rich-flavored tuna, you know, and squid and risotto, truffle risotto, uh, scallops in the shell. Everybody's cooking on, on wood, you know, so it's all charcoal with grates above it, and the fish are just wrapped in those grates, and oh, it's the best way. But the funny thing is, you know, the Slovaks, they, they eat clown food. What? No, we had hot dogs for breakfast. <laughs> but you know what? We had the greatest time, and I will always remember my trip to Croatia. Wow, very, very cool. Um, Rich, you've been out of town once again, back in Portland, I believe? Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, my, I got my passport out and went back to Oregon, <laughs> <laughs> which is not how it's pronounced, by the way. My whole life's been working on that. Um, Any great meals up there that warrant a shout-out? Or you know, even better, any it, local restaurants you've been able to visit between travels? No. How's <laughs> that for that? No, the great trip north highlighted by one of those evenings that really only work if you don't plan them too much. A gathering of guys I've not seen for a while. In one case, uh, five years, a guy, guy from England who came over and I had introduced to these other guys. And we all came, one from Reno, one from Seattle, me from Vegas, and the other guy from England. So the venue, one of the great steakhouses in America, I have to say. It's back, baby. The Ringside in Portland. It's been around since 1944. A dark space, several small rooms, a working fireplace, servers in tuxedos, a small bar that is table level. And I love that. It's not bar level. The, the, the bartenders actually walk down about three steps. Yeah. So, so you have that kind of thing. You know what was like that? The um, the bar when we were up in Napa at that hotel that we both stayed at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. weird, like tiny little squat chairs by the bar. And it, it was really <laughs> weird. Yeah, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> 
normal yeah. sort of desk level or, you know, dining room table level mm-hmm. bar. I've seen those once in a while, but I really like that that feel. The, the walls of the ringside covered with uh, great old photos of uh, past sports events, like when they put a... Uh, a ski jump inside the stadium <laughs> back sometime in the late 40s, early 50s. The stakes are much better than I remember. I started going to this thing when I was like 15 or 16, when my father could finally afford to take us to a steakhouse instead of a, a deli. Mm-hmm. And over the years, the stakes have been good, but not great. But they actually really upgraded. My dining companion said they was, were beyond great. I actually had fried chicken. Oh, I was going to say, what's your cut of beef? What are you yeah, judging me to get? Fried I'm, chicken. I'm, I'm a bone-in ribeye guy usually, but I wanted the fried chicken, and it was wonderful. Huh. And there are legendary onion rings, about an inch thick oh, yeah. all around, a really nice batter. You know, we had dinner at 8. We closed the place down a little after 11, so... Uh, that was a wonderful time in Portland. Here, I uh, did another Oscar dinner last week at Oscar Steakhouse at the Plaza. Oscar talked about the bodies in the barrels that have been exposed by the receding <laughs> Lake Mead. And, of course, he denied that any of his clients had anything to do with any of them. As, he, he, su- as he supposed to. Did he deny it or did he um, just claim I have no confidentiality? Knowledge. <laughs> I have no knowledge. Exactly. I have no knowledge. Because uh, as, as we've learned watching some hearings recently, <laughs> there's yeah. a big difference between denying it and um, just not. A friend of mine came question. came from California and asked him, do you do, do you you're any of your clients ever confess and you just sort of glossed over? He said, no, I never asked my clients that. The only thing I ask him is, where were you when you they, they say you were there? Right, exactly. Give me an alibi. That's all I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I only practiced law for about, um, you know, nine months after law school, <laughs> and I didn't deal with anything nearly that important. But, um, yeah, you don't ask questions that you don't no, want no. the, no, the answer too. for. Yeah, exactly. Rick, one of my menus from Wakuda just blew around I'll your yard. Um, <laughs> now I've got extras, so I'll go pick them up at the end of it. Oh, don't I don't worry mind. about it as long as <laughs> I don't mind throwing around your yard there. Um, yeah, I've been – okay, so – Oscars, dead bodies, yeah. delicious steaks. That's my life. Okay. <laughs> Back to you in the studio. <laughs> oh, man. As for me, I, look, I've honestly been laying relatively low over the past week. I hold up, hold up over the holiday weekend to get some work done. You know, I took last Sunday to go, the, the previous Sunday, to go to the Palms Pool. It was an, actually a full day off from mm-hmm. work. I didn't think about work for a full day, and I've been behind ever since. So um, <laughs> I've been working on TV ads for Neon Feast, incorporating our new tagline. I think we're going to roll with it. Yeah. That's what I've been telling everybody all along. It's kind of like Yelp, but without the assholes. And I think that pretty much explains Neon Feast. So look for those ads. I'm not going to play the clip for you here, but (laughs) it's fun. We've been having a lot of fun. I've been going out recording chefs talking about some of the dumbest shit they've ever read about themselves on crowdsourced review sites and um, holding that up against our expert recommendations on Neon Feast. So that's been (laughs) keeping me um, fairly occupied. I did visit a few restaurants um, because even if I'm staying home to work, you know, I ain't cooking. Um, So (laughs) first, we paid a visit to um, Christina Wynn's final Sunday brunch at Vegas Test Kitchen for a while, at least. Her concept, this mama's house, is winding down this run on Fremont Street. Actually, it's now over by the time you're hearing this. I had some amazing dishes at this brunch. Two of them absolutely brilliant. There was a crab toast that was just 
so beautiful um, with a little bit of um, tobiko on top and very there, there are a lot of components to it but it was all just kept very light and all of them separate and it wasn't heavy and just a beautiful beautiful dish and a breakfast banh mi that um, man I took one bite of it and I was just like holy shit like this is sometimes you take a bite of a sandwich and it's amazing it yeah. kind of flashed me back to um, to that move, that show The Bear that I've been watching on Hulu <laughs> if any of you guys are watching it when they try the sandwich for the first time and everybody's eyes just light up <laughs> um and that was great by the way bear great show loving we it should talk about that maybe another episode, where's it fx but it's on um hulu hulu yeah, yeah. Yep. fx via FX. hulu I'm, I'm, yeah i'm two episodes in okay then i will not talk Don't too much me. about it i'll tell you i felt the same way about that that i felt after watching um almost famous for the first time you know yeah. wow. there are two scenes the, the the music scene and the food restaurant scene are two things that i've reported on and i've been very close to in my life and i don't claim to be a musician or a chef or somebody yeah. who's worked in those cultures but I, i've worked around them and um man the love the respect that they show for that culture and for the really the, the flawed but determined um you know dedicated people that populated you know with all with all their flaws <laughs> and there's just so much respect shown for um yeah. for the challenges they I face so i highly Hulu, recommend that hulu's show. on my rotation i'm waiting for the handmaid's tale to come back that it'll be about uh, september and then i'll get it and then i'll watch you it don't have to wait just look outside the door <laughs> yeah. No kidding. It's happening. Uh, so to go back to um, Christina Wynn, though, I went to her brunch. It was fabulous. I told you that she is wrapping up there at um, Vegas Test Kitchen. So why am I still talking about it? Well, have no fear. You have not missed out on your chance to have Christina's food before she heads off to Montana for a little while. Um, she is starting her new dinner pop-up, Mama-san, this weekend at the Green Street Test Kitchen in the Palms. I'm there for the next four weeks. It's going to be a Polynesian Chinese concept. It's something that actually I ate for the first time being Asian, Asian food in Massachusetts. So it's a lot of fried food. It's a lot of pork. It's a lot of duck sauce, um, some spicy mustard. Uh, but I'm trying to enlighten it and freshen it uh, with definitely quality ingredients. So um, once that's over, and now you're wrapped up here at the Vegas Test Kitchen, you, I hear you're getting out of town for a little while, but are you coming back and doing more food after that? Yes, I'll be heading up to Montana for a little bit, Big Fork. It's been a couple of years since I've been up there. Um, I do miss it. It's my family. Um, just kind of clear my head and just try to figure out like what I can offer and um, come back full force. Uh, it could be a brick and mortar. Next up on July 4th, I took a break to get some takeout from Big B's Texas Barbecue. I knew I was tempting fate because I showed up at their West Side location at 7 p.m. on a holiday on July 4th at the tail end of a holiday <laughs> weekend. Of course, they were out of a few items by then, including brisket and corn on the cob. That's to be expected. I mean, honestly, Vegas, I think, is the only town where barbecue doesn't seem to get a pass for running out. Like most places, barbecue is there until done. That's right. Right. Um, so, you know, everything that I had, they put together a nice package for me, took it home. It was great. Um, you know, I had some turkey. I had some baby back ribs with a beautiful bark on them. Uh, some hot links, uh, some tri-tip that was really good, some sides. So, you know, just sending out a little love to my friends at Big B's. I was on their West Side location, but they have too. They're also over in Henderson. Um, and, yeah, have you guys tried? And you guys have barbecue favorites in this town? I look at my look behind you. What do you? Think? Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rick is, Moonen's house is everybody's. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. my barbecue. I got a little little takeout only joint uh, in Sun City, Summerlin called Wild Fig. 
mm-hmm. and uh, th- they do do me very well. I, yeah. I, I discovered something kind of cool. I mean, I rediscovered, I should say, because I haven't been to the Rio in forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, years. I don't. I can't remember the last time I walked into the Rio, and. Um, my wife and I were going to see our friend perform at uh, Raiding the Rock Vault. You know, one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's or, back. I love yeah, that SJ show. SJ's singing, and she's got yeah. tremendous voice. She's a c- close friend. She was over our house the day after. And uh, Christine, you know, she's dancing. It was just amazing. So before, we wanted to, I said, let's make a date. Let's go in early and have some dinner. We want to go to Voodoo Steak, mm-hmm. right? That's still but open. It's still open. Wow. On the 50th floor. So you, you go in. I said, we're just going to sit at the bar because we ran out of time. So we're just going to order some apps and we'll order an entree real quick. So we ordered some lamb chops for an entree and we had a steak tartare and some shrimp cocktail. And we have this big long running thing about not ordering shrimp cocktail because I, I told my wife once that they know in the kitchen that if you order shrimp cocktail and a filet that it's a hooker. <laughs> it's automatic, you know. So if you don't want people to look at you like that, you don't do that combo. But so if we get the shrimp cocktail, we eat that and everything and we take it down. But I'm going to tell you. The, that venue is I'm amazing. I'm still focused on that bit of advice. Yeah. That is the that's, best that's inside. knowledge for life. <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. The, the people in the kitchen, you know how you can judge who the guests yeah. are. Yeah, that's a, that's one of those things that you probably haven't been told yet. Well, my wife orders shrimp cocktail everywhere we go. If we're at a steak, every steakhouse we go to, she mm-hmm. loves a solid shrimp cocktail. So I'm going to tell her that everyone assumes she's a whore now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. About time you told her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. you should there's tell her an, that. An, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. There's an she edit right there. First thing on Friday morning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sorry, so how was your shrimp cocktail? Everything was absolutely excellent. The, the steak tartare was great. The bartender was wonderful. We had ourselves a blast. To me, it's my new secret place. So I'm going to go there, you know, because, wow. you know, Christine, we go there once in a while because we love her to death. Mm-hmm. And I sit there and I watch these people perform and I, I, I cry. I swear, I'm like teared up. Don't even talk to me. I want to blow my nose. You know, they're just beautiful, wonderful people and performers. And if you like 70s and 80s classic rock, that show is a must-do when you come to Vegas, raiding the rock vault. And the thing people don't know about Vegas, or maybe some people do who lived here, is a lot of the touring musicians from those 80s hair metal bands, yeah. not necessarily the people who played on the first album, right? right that was right. the band that came up through the garage. But then when those guys get their drug addictions or they <laughs> fight with each other and they can't stand to be around each other or they have to go away for some you know, quiet time or whatever happens yeah. to them, the um, the, you know, the real touring guns, the guys who are the great musicians, a lot of them make their home in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. So and so you will see a lot of these shows that have people in those bands that have toured with Rat and Skid Row. No, and, the drummers you know, from bon, bon Jovi. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, like, all and so and Raiding the Rock Vault as a result is a great show for those people who live in Las Vegas. I don't know how many of them are in it and, you know, who's been in what, but yeah. th- there's there's a huge connection to that time frame mm-hmm. and that that real music scene so that's cool i have to tell you um a voodoo steak you know all these douchebags on um social media tell me oh you always kiss people's asses you never say anything mean i one of the meanest reviews i ever wrote was about voodoo steak. oh really but it was 15 <laughs> years ago so you know like i'm not holding it against it well now. they were probably hot and then there was you know that, uh, listen i'm talking to a bartender that's been there since 97 i'm talking oh. about john louis paladin and napa i'm going right. like, i'm deep doing deep history with marnell's and discussions yeah and i'm loving every minute of it so that's why i was attracted to no it. and i'm sure i want to go back now and i want to try it i yeah. you know and i won't even i won't bother telling the story of why I gave it a bad review because it's so far in the past it's not right. worth telling but I will tell you off of Mike about it but um, I'm glad to hear that they're doing good stuff so that's fantastic all right that's my um another meal Sue and I ate in a, one meal that 
Sue and I ate in a restaurant this week. I guess we had two. Um, but the Legends Oyster Bar, that was over the weekend as well. Um, you know, I like Legends Oyster Bar. I think it's really solid. I'm curious. You know, it's interesting because they've got a great oyster selection there. They probably have about 13 or 14 on the menu, I would guess. Mm -hmm. um, you Now, right now, you'd probably only about six or seven of them in on a given night, which is still, I believe, better than you're going to find in a hell of a lot of places. Yeah. You have six or seven oysters, plus some Peruvian scallops that they do from the raw bar as well, which are beautiful. Um, now, they all they do the Rockefellers, and they do um, you know shrimps with the head on on the skewers and right, all that right, kind of right. stuff. They also do... A lot of that pan roast mm -hmm. culture, food, yep, right? Yep, yep. And oh yeah, you know that. I know they take a lot of shit for that from some people because people think that's not, you know, whatever. That's not traditional. That's not what you have in New Orleans. Yeah, fuck not. It may very well have been invented in a casino. I mean, I honestly feel like it's very casino culture food. But sometimes I'm craving a good pan roast, well, and that shit is good. And oh, they do a good version. There when I think well. of pan roast, I think of Grand Central Station, the Oyster Bar. Oh yeah, they had those little yeah, yeah, yeah. steam kettles that just individual yeah, yeah. to a quick boil. Poured it out over a piece of toast, yeah. and it had cream in it, and they seasoned it up. I never it was, had one of those at the Oyster Bar Grand Central, oh, and I've been there man. a few times. So. It was, yeah, monumental. It was uh, something to remember. So when I hear you say pan roast, I have that memory that comes along with me. So I can, I, I, I can, I, I appreciate yeah. it. I can recall three places, and my my knowledge is, of course, minuscule compared to your guys. The the Oyster Bar Palace Station, mm -hmm. Big Al's Oyster Bar at Orleans, yeah. and the uh, the one at uh, South Point. They all have those conical, yeah. on the lever, yep. pan roasts to do that. And I they used to it. have them at Gardunos and the old Palms when it first opened. I used to get them in there. So, yeah, very casino culture. I mean, yeah. but I didn't know that they were at the Oyster Bar. So, um, yeah, fuck people who don't like pan roasts. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, you know, as I was walking out the door, I noticed that Chef um, Jack Jerukasum was in the back. I hadn't actually seen him during my meal, you know, on Unlike what people think, I don't always wave in and try to bother the chef. Sometimes I just sneak in and eat at places. But um, as we were walking out and Sue was grabbing me, telling me I was blocking the door, he mentioned that there were some expansion plans. So I went back a few days later to get the lowdown on that from him, and here's what he told me. We're excited to open up the locations on in, in, in Henderson's right now. Um, that will be a partner up with uh, Lease of Names, um, partner of mine that we opened up um, in Henderson's, and we have more to come in um, all around the valley. After opened up Henderson location, I'm looking for op to open up four more locations in the future. Well, you talk about it being a tough time economically to open, but I don't think it could be quite as bad as when you opened this original location, right? <laughs> that is true. That was probably one of my worst fears in my life that it actually uh, happens to me. And um, uh, so far, so good. We made it through and um, we're ready to open another location. So excited about that. So where exactly are you going to be in Henderson? Stephanie and Horizon Ridge. It's actually right next to um, Timber in the uh, uh, foothill locations. And finally, when last we spoke, I was headed into Wakuda for my first real meal. I promised you a report on that. So, um, so here goes, I guess. I, this was, by the way, full disclosure, I always want people to know the circumstances. This was a media dinner, but it wasn't one of those big giant round table media dinners. It was one in which they had us scattered among a few different tables, so we weren't all reaching over each other. We let the chefs decide what to send out to us. They sent out a nice variety of dishes. I was dining with a publicist who was also a vegan, so we got some vegan spins on some dishes in addition to everything that they sent out to us. Um, first impressions, you know, and by the way, I'm looking at the pictures that I took of my food. I mean, we did have some really good... Uh, 
Um, looks like I had a great lamb. Yeah, the lamb chop was really, really good. Um, we had some great red meat. Uh, a lot of, you know, sushi and sushi style things. Um, some nigiri, some more of tiradito level um, dishes. Maybe not tiradito specifically, but, you know, in that crudo tiradito vein. Um, we had a nice uh, salmon salad that was very good. Some vegan rolls. Um, what else? Uh, obviously, edamame. They did their edamame a little differently. Um, they brought it out with bonito flakes. Um, but in, because we had a vegan with us, instead of the seasoned bonito flakes, they were kind enough to bring the bonito on one, in one plate and then the seasoning <laughs> oh, on another nice. so she could enjoy it. So little touches like that I do appreciate. Now, granted, she worked for the resort, so you know they're going to be <laughs> nice to her. First impression, I would say I like the restaurant a lot. It feels like they're definitely trying to play on the level of those um, nobus and morimoto toes and um it's kusi nora over in resorts yeah. world and we've got um you know there's sushi well they high-end japanese places yeah. right um i think they may have they may be suffering from the fact that everybody's talking about the 500 dollars ahead omakase menu yeah and you know, from the fact that he is a Michelin two-star chef. The thing that they don't have dialed in quite yet is the service. And I'm not saying that to be negative. And I know that whoever served me is probably going to hear about this because everybody knows who served me. No one was doing a bad job. They just didn't seem to have it dialed in quite yet. And there were little things. And I do feel that um, a lot of restaurants right now are hiring from people who are extraordinarily good at a job at a restaurant that's one level below their own <laughs> restaurant, right? Um, yeah. So there were some minor things. There were things like somebody who dropped their chopsticks and it took forever to get chopsticks replaced when there were no other cutlery on the table for them to eat. There were things like um, them sort of cleaning, wiping the table around us, you know, like just at in, inopportune times and right. things that just, it yeah. just felt not dialed in that's yet. That's how we did it at Cheesecake Factory. And, <laughs> well, and, you no, know, I, I would say these are probably, if I were to guess, I'd say these may be employees that are brought up from other 50 Eggs restaurants, which is the yeah. owner. And that's a great that, that's a great organization. Yeah. But what goes yeah. at Chica and what goes at um, at Yardbird may not be what people are expecting after all the hype about a Michelin two-star chef um, and right. a $500 a head tasting menu in the back room. So what I would say is adjust your expectations. Yeah. Um, do not necessarily... And, and by the way, they're not selling this as a Michelin-starred restaurant for the, the main room. You know what I mean? And I think if you go in with those expectations, you're going to have an incredible time. I also believe that a month from now, their service is going to be considerably better than what I experienced when I was there because it was not for lack of trying. It was for lack of having it dialed in. So those are my first impressions. But the food itself, that's where I think this place shines. I mean, the you know, when you're doing high-end Japanese food, I think it's all about two things great ingredients and respect for those great ingredients. Yeah. And here I felt like that. There was not drenching it in too much sauce. When you were adding a strange or unusual ingredient to the fish, it was done in such a tiny little bit that the fish still shined through. Yeah. Those are the things that I look for as far as the kitchen in a restaurant like this, and those are the things that they are delivering, and those are the reasons that I will go back. If you had to pay the bill, would it be worth it to you? I think um, for me right now, I would go in here and sit at the sushi bar and I would pay the higher than average prices for their sushi gotcha. and their sushi-like dishes. Mm -hmm. They're kind of their Nobu-esque sort of dishes, their sure. versions of that. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Talk about, by the way, 
I talk sometimes about staff and making the effort and being able to bullshit your way. A good, a good staff should be able to bullshit their way through a question. So um, they, they were very <laughs> excited to bring me um, to bring us some Patagonian toothfish. Oh, boy. And they, they told me, this is Patagonian toothfish, and it is blah, blah, blah. And, and he knew what Patagonian toothfish was. What he didn't know was when I said, yeah, that's Chilean sea bass, right? And But, <laughs> man, the guy, the guy on his feet, he said, it's a cousin. <laughs> now, truth be told, yeah. I believe it's pretty much the same fucking thing. It but is. I'll let you Rick tell me. And nobody <laughs> wanted to sell Patagonian toothfish because it was an ugly sounding name, so they came up with Chilean sea bass. That's right. It's, right a it's a marketing name for that fish. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you know what? He answered it on his feet. He gave me a <laughs> sufficient a question that wasn't quite a lie. And um, and that that dish, by the way, is really their answer to the miso black cod that sure. everybody has to do if you're doing a restaurant on that level. Yep. I mean, it's it's a standard dish and yep. you expect it so um yeah there's my wakuda you're looking at the menu anything jump out to you rick i thought something that was odd was just seeing tarragon on it i forget where it was it was a dish that had uh the sushi s- upper left wakuda sushi yeah. lobster oh, with lobster jus and tarragon yeah tarragon with lobster i mean I'm, the flavors are great but it's very french yeah you know so i mean yeah very so so but of the lot land, of, but a lot of as people see French sea. French cuisine was always the haute cuisine, the high cuisine, mm-hmm. you know. So just throwing that in there kind of like yeah. gives them try, tries to nudge them up into that category a little bit more. It sounds like they need a little bit more uh, synchronization of their service and everything. But if the food's that good, I can't wait to go. Yeah, I, I'd be really excited to hear what you have to say about it. Um, coming up, an award-winning moonshine, and actually two award-winning moonshines, and France through the eyes of a Las Vegas chef. This is Food and Loathing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip? Off strip? Downtown? Great views? Great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Welcome back. Our next guest is no stranger to food and loathing. He may be the only chef to do the show almost as often as Rick Moonen. The secret to that, by the way, is that he's not only one of Las Vegas' top chefs, he's also the guy who always says yes when we ask. So that's the secret if you're trying to get on here more often. Say yes. 
Anyway, now, live, on tape, from a window seat at Esther's Kitchen, the one and only James Trees. James, you just got back from France. It was a trip that um, I'd been planning with my friend Liz for uh, probably about six months, and we decided to, for that it was time for me to take a vacation because basically, because of COVID, everything else, uh, opening the restaurants, I haven't taken a vacation in about five and a half years, which I think is pretty standard for a chef, you know, <laughs> not to take a not to take a vacation for five and a half years. Journalists too, yeah, either yeah. unemployed oh, yeah. or we don't go on vacation. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, like when was your last vacation? Well, yeah. I got fired from that job, yeah, right. <laughs> or it's you right. just won an all expense paid trip to a West Virginia coal mine disaster. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> so, so what we decided to do was. Um, I have this theory, and I, I think it was backed up by the trip, and, you know, you, I can create my own echo, echo chamber on this one, but um, I think that what we, as Americans, think of French food is not what people who are in France are eating every day. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot more international. I think it's a lot more modern. Um, and so I went with open stomach and open eyes to Lyon, and then we went to spend a day in Tuagro in, uh, in a place called Ouche. <laughs> and then we went to Paris and kind of attacked Paris. Um, and I have to say that uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, number one, the service across the country was fantastic. They were personable. They were caring. They were into who we were. And obviously the LA hat kind of helped me out. They're like, you are not from here. And, yeah. and, and here's the thing is like, I am not going to insult somebody by walking in uh, to the restaurant going, oh, bonjour. And then them saying something in French and me going, I'm American. I don't speak your language. Yeah. So I'd walk in. I like to pre-identify yeah. as the stupid American. Yes, like, exactly. Oh, exactly. So the hat helps, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so the LA hat, uh, Dodgers hat helps. I saw a lot of New York Yankees hats over there, which I wasn't really into, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, the Dodgers hats, I was the only guy. So, um, we got into Lyon and the first night we had an amazing dinner at, uh, the best traditional bouchon in the city. Bouchon. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Was it? Did it have a real zinc bar? It didn't even have a bar. Uh, okay. It was oh. a thirty-five seat restaurant. Wow. That the first seating was eight o'clock. They do thirty-five covers, and they don't care. They don't care if, if you don't have a reservation. Just go somewhere else. They're mm-hmm. just like, hey, this is. We've been open for a hundred years. This is what we do. But what about their Yelp reviews? <laughs> I would only, I could only imagine, like, the way, like, this guy was busting, like, balls on, on the, uh, on the guests at the, at, at, all over the restaurant. He was amazing. <laughs> and he was personable, and he was wearing a camo t-shirt, and, like, I was like, this guy is awesome. This is not what I think of when I think French yeah. waiter, right? And the food runner was this lovely uh, gal. And they kind of walked us through the menu, how it works. It was, you know, they basically, you order an entree, tell them if you want cheese or dessert, and then they bring out, um, like, kind of dishes of the day, right? And this is a traditional thing in the Bouchons in in Lyon, which is the gastronomical capital of France. Uh, Basically, you get all these awesome, like, little things. So that's where we had our first bite of lentils. That's where we had, we had these amazing beets with uh, smoked herring. It was a very 
more interesting light style of food than you would be expecting. And then, of course, like they had a couple of the classics. So they did, they had the, you know, the pike brochette, right? Like, which is the pike with the uh, sauce nantois, which is the crayfish sauce. Um, and then, um, and then like we had a, a bunch of other like great modernish kind of like light dishes. They had a great pork chop on the menu, and then we did a, a blood sausage wrapped in fouille de brick. But it was like it could have been heavy, but it wasn't. It was light. It was nice. It was crispy. It was great. It was very much different than what you would be expecting when you think French food. Yeah. What did you discover about the way the French eat? Because that is always yeah. interesting. Like, and, and you think about this with any type of ethnic mm -hmm. cuisine. You know, I, I'm going out for French food. I'm going out yep. for Italian food. I'm going, and you have something in your mind as to what it is, right? Right. But when you live in that country, you're just going out for food. I mean, yeah. not to be a corny, you know, no, you're joke, too, right. but it's just food. So how do they eat in France compared to how we eat here? Do they have a higher level of ingredient, a higher level of execution, or yes. is it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be very specific, yeah. um, I mean, you go to those markets and you see the markets on the streets compared to their supermarkets, compared to uh, what we have as our choices. Even like, I mean, if you put the the, the Leal in uh, Lyon, the, the Paul Bocuse, you know, market, uh, up against any market anywhere in America, mm -hmm. it's going to fall short. Like, it's just better. The ingredients are better. The technique is better. They've been, like, you know, they have guys making pate for the last 500 years. Yeah. Like, at one stall in, like, this yeah. market. Are that, ingredients more limited? Uh, no. no. No, not at all. In fact, in fact, I don't, I think it's because... European Union. They can get everything right now. Yeah, I mean, like... From Europe. Yeah, I mean, like, I saw... I saw I saw the most amazing white asparagus. I saw uh, the best strawberries. I mean, like their version of like the fruit section. Like we have all the things that don't rot here, mm. right? They have all the seasonal things like wild strawberries, Frey de Bois, right? There's a things of them, like little containers of them, you know, currants. Like when was the last time you saw currants anywhere here yeah. in America? Last time I saw them was at Santa Monica Farmers Market probably like five years ago. And so, like, these are just the standard things that they have. Like, beautiful rhubarb. There's rhubarb everywhere. There was um, amazing artichokes. And, and, and the freshness of the radishes. Like, you can see it in comparison to, like, I mean, like, maybe, like, that was comparable when it came to, like, what Santa Monica has versus, like, mm -hmm. which is one of the best farmer's markets in the country, versus what France has just kind of sitting on the street, mm -hmm. right? Like, their level of product is just better. Their fish... Are they more heirloom and heritage breeds and things like that that you're yes. seeing? A little less created to to ship cross-country right. and sit on a shelf for... A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like, and that's the thing is, and they're just higher quality or the people don't buy them. Like, at the end of the market, there was, like, just a pile of like boxes that before like they throw them away, they just allow people to come up and just grab whatever you want. Like yep. heads of celery that aren't perfect. You know, I saw a lot of melons go in there that people were picking out melons that were maybe just a little too soft for them, right? And the, the rule at the farmer's market is very different than what it is here in America where like if I'm walking through a farmer's market in America, I'm picking up things, I'm trying them, I'm tasting them. The rule in France is that you do not touch anything you're not gonna buy. That is very specific. And I think it's probably smart and probably better than what we do yeah, here. probably a better idea. Yeah. Is it also more... Squeeze the melons, basically? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. See if yeah. they're ready? 
is it also more seasonal? Do people yes. know I'm going to have those strawberries for yep. four to six weeks, and then the rest of the year yep. I'm going to do without? I'm not going to go get the stuff that's grown on some factory in Morocco no, like we do with chili. They're or just not. They're just not going to do that. And and so then when we get back down to how the French eat and compared to Americans, obviously. They don't really do French. They don't do fast food at all, and they do smaller portions, and they eat better. They eat richer food, yeah, like cheeses, breads, stuff like that, croissants. I mean, that's kind of built into their thing. They they also drink better than we do. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking light beer in France. <laughs> it's just not. Right? They just don't. They're not gonna. They're not gonna waste their time with it, right? Right. So, um, I I think like we we drank better, we ate better. Than uh, as a normal everyday kind of thing. Underappreciated French beers. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was very I was like I, you know I, I get tired of drinking wine because you have wine with every single meal and like we're going to uh, all these restaurants that are doing wine pairings and here's the other thing is a wine pairing in France they don't do the stupid American thing where they're like slipping a beer or sake or a, or you know like or like a kombucha with a course like no like this is the wines that pair with this food this is why you're here let's let's do this right and and we had just great great human beings take yeah. care of us i love the concept of here's the food eat it or get the fuck out yeah no, like it was very very true like i mean like they they do not care if you're vegetarian gluten free anything they just don't care yeah that's uh, your problem yeah yeah like you're here to eat our food if you're not here to eat our food you go somewhere else here i i completely agree with that <laughs> yeah. i'm all about that like you, you know how i feel about people who walk into esters and are gluten free i'm just like you should probably be dead by now then yeah. like if you actually have an <laughs> Breathing the air in here. Exactly. (laughs) Like you're already dead. So so, calm down. So you went there to get ideas. Yeah. So, and of course, for those of us who can't get to France, we will be dining at your restaurant when you open. So, what are you bringing back? What inspired you? I mean, it's really about, um, it's really about smaller, smaller courses, multiple course meals. Um, We want, we're definitely going to do Bouchon days on Sunday. Like, that's one thing we've decided already is like, we're gonna, you're gonna come in. There's gonna be three or four different choices for entrees. You're gonna let us know what you want. Everything else is our choice, and we're just Whoa. gonna do it, right? We're gonna do splits. I really want to focus on. Um, I gotta say, by the way, that makes me so happy because yeah. as somebody who knows a lot of chefs, I don't look at menus. Right? No. And I get pissed off when people put a menu in front of me. Right. I'm like I don't know. You tell me what to eat. It's yeah. your restaurant. What's good? Bring it. Exactly. Let me tell you what I could afford to spend. Yeah. And, you know, uh-huh. like. And that's the thing is, like, I mean, like, those those Bouchons, I mean, they, they were $45 for food. Yeah. It wasn't expensive. And, I mean, I think it's the other thing is, like, you know, one of the reasons why I really want this concept to live in the original Esther space is because this space is the right size for a, for a concept like this. Yeah. And then I think we're going to do, um, I think we're going to do an a la carte and tasty menu kind of side by side with the, the regular uh, service. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be dinner only, which is gonna be something that will give us time to, cause you know how it is at Esther, it's like we're just jamming constantly. We're always trying to get ready. Mm-hmm. Like we had to close from three to five in order to like- Breathe. Just, just to rebuild, you know, in between lunch and dinner. Right. With the new space, we're gonna have a lot more space over there. This is gonna be something more high end and a little bit, um, a little bit more about like where we are 
as a restaurant group and a bunch of people who are cooking for people. Mm-hmm. And then the idea is that uh, we want to, because we know how arduous fine dining can be. Like a lot of chefs just burn out on it. Mm-hmm. So to keep it fresh, we're going to start rotating cooks from other restaurants into this space in order to get them the opportunity to like uh, have a break. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it, like cooking in Esther's is like a grind every day, right? You're you're banging out pastas. You're you're working in small cramped spaces, and then you know you go to Al Salito and it's a whole different vibe it's a whole different cuisine then you go to Ada's and Jackson's doing a whole different you know vibe over there and then when you come here like once you've earned your way up the ladder this is going to be the place where you're going to want to work right. and you're going to want to do this for about 6 months and then you're going to want to be like I got to get out of here <laughs> right we're going to get a whole little new look this look that we see yeah. in Esther's a well anything i see here be in the lar- lar- newer, larger space. Yeah, I, I think we are going to definitely trans uh, transfer all the the tables, the vibes, the colors, the the graphics, all that. Um, but we are going to do a floor up remodel from. Uh, well, this floor, these bricks are yep, gone. They're done. That's that. Everything's going to be gone. Like, we're we're gonna we're gonna rip it all out and uh, rebuild it. Um, and, and I think it's going to be good for the restaurant because we're going to be able to take a look at what we want to accomplish and then we're going to lay the restaurant out in a different way we're going to go from an eight seat bar down to like a four seat bar right nice small clamshell bar beautiful like kind of like centerpiece and then you know if you come to the bar and you want to get some pastices we're going to make sure that we have some cool stuff for you uh the french aperitivos uh the french aperitifs are pretty awesome so uh, we're going to be focusing on that um obviously when i go to my list when i go to a french fine dining restaurant Uh, the cheese selection is always like key to my meal. There will be a cheese cart. Like yeah. we will, we yeah. we will have the best cheese cart in the city, mm-hmm. and I will say that right now mm-hmm. that we are going to be using uh, importers and effenures that are not available here in Las Vegas, and we will be making it a very special part of the meal because. I feel like it's something that's just so overlooked and just not really executed well yeah. um, here in here in America. I think there are only probably ten restaurants I can really think of that are like really nailing the cheese game. I'd say Providence, LA, would be like one of them. <laughs> and and where we just were, Rich and I, for a party at um, Wakuda, Morels used to have an mm-hmm. awesome cheese program. No, they had a large cheese program. I had some great <laughs> cheese. I really did have some great cheeses yeah. in there. Well, so. I mean, so, so like, That's the, the most respectful fuck uh, you yeah. have ever heard. Well, well, I mean, like, well, here's the thing. Is they, had, they, they had like a checklist and all that stuff. Like, you ordered off of a piece of paper. Right. Like, cheese is a very... Like visual See, thing. I remember always walking up and just pointing yeah. and having them slice it. Yeah, they didn't. Be, they yeah, they didn't. But there wasn't a cart. You're yeah, right. and there they did. And, and and the person who was probably behind that and was running that station probably didn't know where the cheeses were from. Didn't know how long they've been aged. Didn't know if they were ripe or not. Like cheese will visually talk to you. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things like if you see in a poise that is just like you can't cut it it's a spooner mm. like if that's your jam and that's the foot that you want to yeah. stick in your mouth that's what you want like i i 100 like that but then like alpine cheeses will kind of hide their flavor profiles like the comtes and the edinaires and stuff like that so like we want to make sure that we curate something that's very special 
right? And then, you know, during the Bouchon days, like, we're just going to be like, and here's your cheese selection for the day. Because yeah. yeah. there, it's like, you want a cheese plate? Here's the cheeses we're doing. <laughs> and that's going to be kind of like a way that we can, like, use smaller pieces, be smart about stuff. Let me ask you this. When you go to a, when you travel overseas, for me, when I'm lucky enough to get to a country I've never been to before, but I've eaten their cuisine <laughs> in America, there's always a dish or two that I'm like, Wow, it is so different from what I thought this dish was supposed to be like, mm -hmm. but everyone does it over here this way. Did you have anything like that, or were you already familiar enough with French cuisine that I mean, nothing really... having come from Andre Rochat's restaurant, right. so I worked uh, downtown at Andre's, and I worked at Alizé, I mean, like, I knew what to expect, and I'd seen, like, the higher-end stuff and how hard that is to do. What I was most surprised with was the modernness and... The, the blend of the seamless blend of modern and classic at Le Mer Brasier, it was amazing because we all we had a totally different experience at Trois Gros where it was super modern, like super super modern like restaurant, like amazing from start to finish. But if you put that into a context, if that was French food, you'd have no idea. Mm. It could be any of the top fifty world's best kind of restaurants, right. and that was like where. That's where it kind of like differentiates. Do you bring in any particular dish back with you or any particular, you know, inspiration? I mean, like, you know, I, I, I will say this is like, and I hate um, the French people are just going to beat the crap out of me for this. Like, we did not have the best bread experiences across the board. Like, unless we were oh, eating a baguette. Them's fighting words. Unless we had a baguette specifically from, uh, from a a boulangerie that we knew was tip top mm -hmm. um i really have to say that like across the board like they 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 weren't giving you the best bread and i was like french bread that's funny you know, vegas, basket, with the exception right? of esters but vegas is a notoriously bad bread city yeah but i think it's like it's like for me it's the foundation of the cuisine because like i had a couple of baguettes that were fantastic but i had to eat them on the street yeah, I like literally like I, yeah, <laughs> no butter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a real and, yeah. boulangerie dedicated to yeah. that. It's not an afterthought. Again, as you say, exactly. Yeah, I, and so like the the place that we found in uh, in Lyon that was also I'll give you guys the picture so you guys can like tag it. But I mean like that was the best bread I had on the entire trip, and the guy gave me a half a baguette because he didn't want to sell me half a baguette, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to have to <laughs> eat a whole baguette. <laughs> <laughs> So it, it was like one of those things where I was like, you're using organic flour, you know, and it's really actually special. Here, obviously, we, we want to do that. And obviously, Osolito leans on that focaccia that we've worked on so hard. And then obviously, Esther's work leans on the Levant sourdough that we do, which is actually a French bread that, you know, but they use more yeah. rye in theirs, so it'd be darker. Mm -hmm. um, so we, I kind of feel like our bread is our bread here at Esther's, right. and good luck trying to replicate it because you're not going to yeah. be able to. Can I take cool. some home? Yeah, so absolutely. We'll be, okay. we'll be having the aristocrat. <laughs> when will people be able to start dining there? Oh, I mean, like this is we're looking probably a two month turnover after the new Esther's opens. So I mean, like you're going to have to shelf this for a while because okay. we're talking about like a year, fourteen <laughs> okay. months. Damn. Well, and and here's making, the crazy thing is like we're well, we shopping for plates already. Now, probably, but yeah. Yeah, like we're shopping for plates and doing all the things that we're going to need to do because we know in this world yeah. of like timelines. Because you know, I mean, Watching. how many times have you been told that a restaurant was going to open in six months? Right. Yeah. Nine months. Yeah. Later. If you had a nickel. 
What, what That'd be a shitload of nickels. <laughs> hey, here's the question. So when I was reading um, Gemini's article about yeah. what you were doing with that space uh -huh. over there, it was, just, I think, something different than what you told me you were going to do with it. So has there been a change of plans on so, that? So, I mean, like, we, we I mean, eventually... No, no, I mean, like, that, that space has been in flux. I mean, like, at the end of the day, we've been using it for a storage facility mm -hmm. more than anything. That space being just yeah, here 140 the, down, down, one down block a little away, bit. Or and here's away. the cool thing is, is, like, we got our buddy Christian, who does the Nordic caviar thing. Mm -hmm. He's going to go in there and he's going to run his caviar store so the storefront is actually alive so he's going to have the nordic caviar we're actually going to have a cab of course we have the best wine the best you know the best beer <laughs> you're right a great restaurant great block. sushi right and now we're going to have a caviar store on nice. california which is going to be Jeez. great so i mean like we're really really lucky to be here in the heart of the arts district and this and watching all these things grow and build around us so exciting. So I assume exciting. you have a couple more trips uh, of research planned. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, over the next over the next uh, 12 months, I'll probably be... I mean, we're going with uh, Luke Palladino setting up a trip for me, Mark Vetri, and uh, Steve Sampson from Rosso Blue. Uh, we're all going to go to Italy and kind of go in October and eat all the truffles and go to all the <laughs> truffle farms oh, and nice. go to Friuli and check that out. So really excited about that. That'll be my next trip and then probably something in... Uh, probably something in like May, right? Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. No, your, thank you. I, I mean, like, friends, yeah, man. it's 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 fun. Like, I think, I think as Americans, we need to get out there and uh, and do more of the traveling thing. And also, oh, the yeah. Euro is like one to one. So, I mean, let's do yeah. it. do it while we can. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the great James Trees. Appreciate this you. Is food and loathing. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It is time for the news. Congrats to our friends at the Mob Museum, or more specifically, the Mob Museum's underground speakeasy. You guys are familiar with the speakeasy, right? First rule of speakeasy is you don't talk about the speakeasy. <laughs> I'm aware of the speakeasy. Yeah. <laughs> I actually shot down there with Chef Hubert Keller for his PBS Yes. Show. Oh, I don't want to. That makes yeah. sense. But I love, for those of you who aren't familiar, there's a speakeasy in the basement of the Mob Museum. Of course, the Mob Museum is dedicated to all organized crime. And, um, and law enforcement. And law enforcement and law that fought that um, organized <laughs> crime. So it makes sense that there's a lot about prohibition down there. And in the basement, they actually run their own stills. It's super cool. They brew their own um, moonshines down there. And it's a lot of fun. You can enter, you can go in as part of the, well, you know what? I think he's going to tell us all about that. So. 
anyway, the reason that I'm talking about them is that two of their house-distilled moonshines were honored at the 2022 Central Coast Wine and Spirits Competition, which took place just um, a week or so ago at this year's California Mid-State Fair. Clint Toman, the museum's director of food and beverage, told me all about it. We just won a double gold medal for our Sin City Moonshine at the California Mid-State Fair in uh, Central Coast uh, Spirit and Wine Competition. And then our Ginger Jake flavored moonshine won silver. What does that mean to you? I mean, you know, moonshine doesn't seem like something that you go out to, you know, traditionally, it's not the award-winning beverage, right? It's usually what you do to make do, but clearly you guys are producing a quality product here. So, um, you know, what goes into making that moonshine and how does it feel to be recognized? Well, it feels great to be recognized. I mean, we've been uh, constantly trying to refine and perfect our our spirit for the last few years since we uh, opened the distillery in 2018. Uh, two years ago, our regular moonshine won a double gold medal, and this was the first time our flavored moonshines that would recognize. Uh, we put a lot of pride uh, in, in our moonshine, but uh, you asked what goes in it. Uh, we use a yellow corn flour, cook that down uh, into a mash, and then just thyme, patience, and yeast for the, uh, the signature moonshine. The flavored moonshine, the Sin City, we use a couple different types of cinnamon uh, and uh, brown sugar simple. And then for the ginger jake, it's uh, quite a few things. It's uh, ginger, lime peel, clove, cinnamon, allspice, and just a touch of jalapeno to give it a little heat. Okay, I may need to have a little sip of that before I leave. Um, But for people who want to sample it, could you explain the entire Moonshine program and how it fits in with the Mob Museum and the Underground? Sure. So uh, we really wanted to tell the story of, you know, when we're telling the story of Prohibition, we wanted to tell it from all angles. So our distillery kind of tells uh, the story of how people got their hands on illicit alcohol during Prohibition. And, you know, really there were a few ways, rum running, um, bootlegging, and then moonshining, of course. So that's why we focused on moonshine for the spirit that we make here. We do uh, daily distillery tours, and that can be purchased as part of your admu- uh, museum admission. And you get to hear the story of you know, famous bootleggers, uh, people like George Remus, uh, uh, Bill McCoy, and of course Al Capone. And we also teach you a little bit about the process of, of, of making uh, moonshine, the distillation process. And you get to sample you know, our regular moonshine and our flavored moonshines. For guests that want to come in just to the speakeasy, if you come around to the east side of the building, uh, come down, uh, ring the buzzer, and if you know the password, you could enter into the uh, underground speakeasy without purchasing admission to the museum. And there you can enjoy a cocktail. Uh, All of our cocktail programs are based on prohibition and pre-prohibition recipes. And we also uh, offer our our moonshine uh, as part of the cocktail program. Uh, You can taste it, uh, you can taste it as a moonshine flight or you could buy some souvenir bottles to take home with you. And we told you last week about the Pine Dining Weekend Meal Series, which will launch July 23rd on the site of the old Mount Charleston Lodge. This week, I caught up with Christina Ellis, whose family owns and operates both the Ellis Island Casino and the Lodge, and she shared a bit more about the series. So each week, a different chef or a chef collaboration will take over the mountain. On Saturdays, we have like a cookout, almost mini food festival style, where we'll have different stations of food prepared by the chef or chef collaboration. 
Um, and then on Sundays, we have like our more um, elevated uh, chef's table event for, you know, about 75 to 100 people. Um, and it's be a four course meal prepared by the chef. They'll walk you through it with a beverage pairing. Um, so that'll take up the weekend. And really just giving people a reason to go back up to Mount Charleston. You know, we lost the lodge 10 months ago. Um, and, you know, no matter what I'm working on here at Ellis Island or for any of our village pubs, people just want to talk about Mount Charleston because people love the lodge and it holds such a place, special place in our community. Um, so yeah, excited to get people back up there. Yeah, and that's exciting to me to get people up to the lodge. I love the lodge. It was one of the first kind of hidden gems I discovered when I moved to Las Vegas 20 years ago. I have a lot of experiences, not all of, uh, memories I should say, not all of which I could talk about you know, in public, but um, I had a lot of fun up there over the years. When I first came here, there were a lot of game meats, a lot of really interesting dishes. I know that in later years, it was more just burgers or whatever. Is it important for you to reestablish that whole Mount Charleston Lodge, that Mount Charleston cabins that are associated with it as you rebuild as a culinary destination? Is the dining going to be an important aspect up there as you rebuild? Yeah, absolutely. We're kind of getting our plans together now for what the rebuild of the lodge looks like, what the what it's going to visually look like, what it's going to conceptually be. And we really want to pay homage to, of course, the lodge that we lost, um, but then also create this next generation of the space for, you know, the town that's growing, for the people who have grown to love the space. And we've been given the rare opportunity to kind of start from not scratch because we have the memories of the past, but start with this new structure and this new idea. Um, and so to answer your question, you know, thinking of culinary for that, I think it's so wonderful to kind of kick off this next generation with these events because the food is going to be a really important part of that and the experience surrounding it. So here we are jumping into pine dining and hopefully having that as the trajectory of what's to come. Rick, I don't know if they're booked for all of these yet. You should go up there. I'd love to have you cooking on the mountain. You know, it would give me an opportunity to. I'm going to have to, I'm going to find out what the deal is. Okay. I don't have I don't have a restaurant to prep everything, etc. <laughs> it's, it's not the same. You I'm sure use, someone would lend you. Or you could use, use the Legion Stadium. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for the restaurant that is your house. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, that is about it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thank you to all of our guests, Christina Wynn, Jack Jerukasum, Christina Ellis, Clint Tome, and, of course, our traveling gourmand, the one and only James Trees, plus Rick Moonen. <laughs> good to have you back, it's my friend. It's good to be on again. Thanks, Al. I'm going to try to talk. Um, maybe we could schedule something to talk caviar next week. That's what Ooh, I'm yeah, man. I love Sounds that fun. subject. Yeah, bring it on. Please tell a friend about Food and Loathing. Spread the word on social media. Find the handles at Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. Reach us direct by email, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And, of course... Download the Neon Feast app and its new improved uh, handle, Yelp without the assholes. <laughs> Use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you want, whatever you need, find it at Neon Feast. And if you just get so turned on listening to my sexy voice that you need to see my pretty face and my cool, cool, cool hair. I just keep telling myself that. Um, <laughs> you can see me on the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday morning at approximately 8.15 a.m. And if you just want to listen in another medium, find Al all weekend long on the Neon Feast update on The Vibe. 99.7 in Las Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, like when you're going to or coming from Los Angeles. And if you're a Laughlin Bullhead City devotee, 98.9 on the river. With producer Rich Johnson and Rick Moonen, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Mm -hmm.